Hi everyone, this is Diva from Blood Hunter and you're listening to the Metal Pit podcast. <coughs> Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit us on our website at www.themetalpit.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And we have a YouTube channel, which is at The Metal Pit 666. If you have any comments, album suggestions, or questions, please email us at podcast at themetalpit.org. Now, this episode is a special episode because it's episode number 25. I don't know if that's special, but I'm saying that it is because <laughs> we're halfway to 50 and I probably figured I would have quit by now and I'm not. We're still going. So that's good. And it's all a special episode because it's our first episode where we talk about a female that's on the album that we're talking about because that's the first time that's happened so far. And this female uh, influenced so many other females to get into the kind of singing that we're going to talk about, but we'll get to that in a second. Usually my guests are writers from my website, but today I brought in a friend, Rebecca. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm good. How are you, Blake? Oh, I'm awesome. Uh, I just recently met you at a, at a barbecue of a friend's place, and we got talking about metal, and of course, that's how we became friends, because if you like metal, metal then you're my friend. <laughs> and you have a connection to this album that I found interesting. So when I went home after talking to you, I thought that'd be a good podcast episode to talk about this. So since we don't know, know each other really well, so I thought doing this podcast will either become better friends, or you, you will turn out to be my arch enemy. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have, I do have drums here, but I don't know how to do that thing. <laughs> So, yes, we're going to talk today about the melodic death metal band Arch Enemy. But before we get into that, I'm going to talk to you a little bit first. First, I want to know how you got into heavy metal music. Okay, so how I got into metal music was definitely from all the older kids that went to my school. But I am from a small town called Sarnia, Ontario. And... This is a border town. So how I started listening to metal, there was a U.S. station called The Riff that I used to listen to that was in Detroit. And they used to play a lot of rock and roll and heavier rock and roll. And as I continued to listen to that station, I found that I was really into that music. But it also helped that my both my parents were hippies and my dad liked a lot of rock and roll and that, but not so much the heavier stuff that I'm more so into now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what would be the do you remember like what band it might have been that like or is it just a whole bunch of bands so it was more so like a bunch of bands because back then too that was when um you know you were able to press record on your vhs and watch videos and so on and so forth as well um but I also was able to listen to our college station that played a little bit more melodic, heavier, like death metal type music. And back then they would call them the mods. So you'd listen to some of like the more like the cure and, and, and so on and so forth. But I got more into the heavier stuff just by 
you know, listening, looking at magazines, um, just listening to the radio constantly or just watching videos. Um, but yeah, that's how I got more into it. And then just, you know, a lot of my friends weren't so into it. They were at that time more into the new kids on the block type scene. And I just could not deal with that for some reason. I could not get into it whatsoever. So for me, listening to this music was a perfect outlet for me as well. That's cool. Cause yeah, I'm a little older than you. I don't even know how old you are and it doesn't matter, <laughs> but so, yes, it was much different for me because there was hardly any music, any metal on the radio, except, you know, ACDC or Led Zeppelin or whatever. So it wasn't even really metal necessarily, but they were the start of heavy metal, but yeah, but I'm not going to get it. Iron Maiden was the first group that I listened to where I heard the term heavy metal. And that's really how I got into it was through that like Metallica and Megadeth um, and then getting into Pantera then I was getting more into Napalm Death and Obituary and then I got into a synth band um, that's actually Canadian um, and they're called Skinny Puppy so they they kind of put me on a different spiral as well which was fun um, but again <laughs> I was kind of like the odd one out listening to a lot of this darker, heavier metal in my high school back in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, because for me, like I didn't hear Iron Maiden until I was 16 years old, which is yeah. late now for people to get into that kind of stuff. But like I said, yeah. you couldn't like whatever you couldn't get into it. So I bought it. I got my Iron Maiden album, Number of the Beast, and it had a thing to order a shirt. I ordered a shirt. Wore it to high school and everybody's like, what the hell's that? Or whatever, because nobody knew who they were. <laughs> so I think I was the first kid in my high school to wear an Iron Maiden shirt. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like me with the cure. I still have my very first cure in between days t-shirt, which is hilarious. But <laughs> that I've had since I <laughs> I still have my Iron Maiden shirt, but I think it's kind of ripped up and stuff, so I can't wear it or anything like that. But I still have it was a three-quarter sleeve t-shirt too, not like the regular t-shirts we have now i guess but there are some i think some bands are bringing those back actually now through the three-quarter sleeves but whatever <laughs> okay so before we get into their enemy there's another thing that we were talking about and you're a fire artist and i thought that was interesting so tell everybody what a fire artist is uh well for me a fire artist is so i do fire breathing um i fire eat I throw and I'll put fire on my arms and my legs. Uh, I will also, like I spin poi, I do fans and I make myself a set of horns that I, I set on fire as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of is the ah moment of <laughs> the whole act whenever I'm doing it, people are just in such, you know, ah, I don't know how to put it, but for me, I think it's hilarious when I, when I set them off and everyone's jaws just drop and their eyes just go huge. <laughs> and when, <laughs> and when you have, do it. Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go I ahead. Also, I also have batons that I that I have as well. Uh, I also bring in um, like fire bubbles as well. I know that sounds weird, <laughs> but I I. I kind of have what they call butane bubbles and I put butane in these bubbles and just set them on fire and just kind of throw them in my hand and put my hand on fire with these bubbles and the kids love it. <laughs> <laughs> the 
always yell at me saying that I'm a dragon. Look at the dragon. <laughs> um, and when you do a show, how long does it usually last? Like how long are you doing it? They can last anywhere between 12 to 20 minutes for for an act so yeah and and then afterwards as well the, a lot of people like to have a one-on-one -on -one, uh photo with me um and then talk to me about it more especially the the younger kids and the, the younger girls as well so you know just kind of you know uplifting the young ones to let them know that you could do whatever you want <laughs> if you put your mind to it <laughs> Now, uh, how did you get into doing this? Like, why did you want to do this? Did you see somebody else do it? Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, you know, going to the circus and seeing carnivals and that, and then, you know, you see the carnies breathing fire and that, and you just think, wow, that's pretty amazing. I'd like to try something like that. And then just, you know, one day, 11 years ago, I met someone that was a professional and I had asked them if they were looking to teach anybody. And at that point, they you know, they kind of hummed and hawed, weren't too sure about it. And then they said, yeah, definitely, I would teach you. And then here I am, like 11 years later, I've opened up for uh, Helix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for a couple smaller bands, I've gone to Bigman Parks for their Horror Fest. I did the Renaissance Fair. Um, yeah, I just kind of travel here and there. Um, just doing it. I have a couple other gigs that are coming up next month that are that I'm pretty excited about. So if you're in southwestern Ontario, I know you're going to be in Sarnia, right, for one. And where's the other one? Dorchester? Yes. Is that right? No, so the other one is actually, so the first one will be uh, Friday, August the 4th in Sarnia for the Refined Fool Fest. And I'm also bringing my friend who's a professional sword swallower along with me yeah Valhalla. <laughs> and um uh, i believe it's august 27th we're going i'm going to be going to rocky's harley davidson for a fundraising event and uh just you know not charging anything and just kind of doing my thing for the kids and just for this fundraiser so i do a lot of fundraisers as well and that's in london ontario correct yes okay um now have you ever had any accidents oh yeah you put <laughs> most definitely uh one time i was uh performing again it was for a volunteer event and the winds were pretty high i was kind of skeptical i wasn't too sure and then i thought you know i'm just gonna follow the winds and i'm gonna do my fire breathing and here i am just breathing away just you know <laughs> just one two three breaths and then I thought okay I'll do another three one two three and then as I'm just about ready to do my very last set of breaths on my last breath uh the wind had shifted and it came back in my face and I got first degree burns on my face which you know everyone came running at me they're like oh my gosh are you okay are you okay and I'm like yeah 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 you know what's great about being a woman I can wear false eyelashes and I could draw my eyebrows back on. So I. <laughs> but and how yeah. long, how long, uh, how much training did you do before you started doing the shows? Like, um, I was about a year and okay. I felt very 
with it. My, the person who was training me uh, was, you know, was a really good instructor. So they knew I was a fast learner and well, you know, just being a natural fire witch that I am, I'm okay with fire. <laughs> so it didn't scare me at all. I re remember first time trying out an eight foot uh, fire bull whip that he had and <laughs> getting the backlash on the back of your leg and the back of my arms and, you know, just feeling that crack of the whip, <laughs> just kind of, you know, yowch. <laughs> <laughs> the fireballs that came off of it were huge and awesome. So yeah, it was great. But yeah, you want to talk about having, you know, whenever I'm performing, there's times like if it's at like a backyard party and that I've had the fire department called on me and <laughs> you know, you'd start hearing the sirens and people are joking saying, oh, here come the fire department. Ha ha ha. And they're all nudging each other. And I'm like, no, no, they're really coming right now. It's OK. I'll deal with this. <laughs> I'm like, it's so not the first. OK. <laughs> So do you need like a permit or something so you can show them and say or anything or what? How does locally? No, you don't. Uh, it's like the busking, so you could just busk wherever you want. You just have okay. to ensure you have the 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 proper uh, standbys. Like I I have my partner Dustin Parks, who's my fire watch, and he's a terrific fire watch, and he's always there for me. Um, there's been times he's had to put fires out on me that I didn't even realize that like the the top of my breast was on fire the one time from doing what I call the chainsaw with my fire poi. No idea. Came over, tapped it out, walked away. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have a fire extinguisher and water and a fire blanket. So we make sure every, you know, I'm safe, you know, everybody's safe and definitely put in all those protocols and give the little kids the little chat of, you know, this is real fire. Don't be doing this at home. Leave it to the professionals. Or <laughs> well, that's interesting. And hopefully one day I'll get to come watch you do it live Yeah, and, maybe, and see you get a fire put out. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't have many act. You probably do you have, did you have more accidents before or now, or is it just because you know, the wind, sometimes you can't judge it. Right. And so it might just happen. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we'll move to heavy metal since that's why we're here yeah. mostly. And like I said, we're going to talk about Arch Enemy and we're going to talk about their 2002 album wages, wages of sin. It was their fourth studio album, but the first with Angela Gasso on vocals. Uh, when did you first hear this album or Arch Enemy or whatever came first for you? Uh, what came first for me was the video Revenist. Um, just, you know, that was a pretty cool and intense uh, video, um, especially being a young 23-year-old Rebecca who's, you know, just, you know, working her way through uh, school and that. And then seeing this woman just, you know, just with those savage vocals just coming out of her. And I just thought, holy cow. A woman can actually do that because I had always wanted to do something like that myself, but never thought I could. But then again, watching Angela do it. And I just thought, wow, she's such she's such a powerful woman. And, you know, again, those those vocals are just were so savage in my eyes. And I just I needed more of it. <laughs> now, did you listen to any death metal before that? Like uh, with oh. male vocalists? 
Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <let's> see here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely. Uh, the a lot of male vocalists, uh, such as like the band Nile. Um, I there's so many coins through my head right now. <laughs> um, like, oh gosh, Mayhem. I liked a lot of black metal back then as well. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. If, well, for me, like you said it was ravenous a video now i you know of course the the canadian metal magazine or it used to be was brave words and bloody knuckles was a magazine it used to come with a cd sampler or whatever and that and ravenous was on that and that's where i first heard arch enemy was listening to it not seeing the video and so as soon as i now i didn't listen to the death metal like i didn't Whenever I heard singing like this, I didn't really listen to it. It just wasn't my thing. But when I heard this, it was probably the fact that she was a female. And I thought, hmm, it's a female. I guess I can maybe I'll give this a chance (laughs) or something. I don't know. But I love the song Ravenous. And yeah, and that's how I discovered Arch Enemy was that. Now, I can't go back and remember if I saw the video or if I ran out and bought the album or if the album was even available yet. If this was just the first single, I believe, from the album. But but yeah, that's how I got into it was just hearing the song on a CD sampler. Um, okay. the, yes. Um, now we're now we're kind of connected with this Angela thing and something that I'll tell you in a second here, or I'll tell the listeners, I guess, in a second. But you also designed clothes for bands, some bands, and one of them was Angela Gasso. You want to talk about how that came about happening? Uh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, my, my partner at the time, um, was going through, um, my space and I had noticed that she had put up a post that she was looking for some independent designers to design and make her some clothing. So I, I reached out to her. Um, and then, you know, at that time I was, I was just coming out of fashion design school and I thought, well, why not put my, you know, all my skills to the test and I'm going to make her some stuff. Cause at that time I'd been doing some pretty unique independent art slash uh, fashion shows um, locally. And so that um, I had sent her some of those photos of some clothing that I'd done and just sketched up some stuff for her that I thought that would look fantastic on her. Um, but also when I sent her off the the message with the photos and letting her know who I was and uh, she had got back to me a few days later pretty excited um, and she and I we were conversing back and forth about some of the the outfits that she liked that I designed and something that she could possibly wear on stage and I had asked her at that point because she was uh, in Sweden and they weren't touring at that point, but she was just kind of at home at that point. And then I had asked her, you know, can you go to your local tailor? Can you go get some measurements uh, or just send me a pair of your your favorite pants that you like wear on stage? So she actually sent me a pair of her pants and her measurements. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I was um, that was back in 2008 that that had happened. And I know that they were touring and I forget which album they were touring for at that time. I think it was uh, Rise of the Tyrant. Mm-hmm. 
And so we, we had made it so that during their tour, um, and when they came into Toronto, I was to meet up with her and give her the pants then and there. And so that's what I did. I went to Toronto to the Phoenix and, you know, went to the bus and knocked on the bus and they opened up the door. She was so gracious. She was so excited to meet me. She gave me this big hug. And so she brought me onto the bus and uh, I showed her the pants and she got so excited about it. She ran to the back of the bus and, you know, shut the, the door to, to the one room and tried them on. And I just remember standing there on the bus thinking, I can't believe I'm on Arch Enemy's tour bus right now. Like how, how many people get this? This is really cool right now. And I just, uh, one of their, their road crew guys sits sitting there and he's all excited about this cheese board that he just got. And I just thought to myself, this is hilarious, you know, like metal cheese board cheese. And then, so she just racing out from the back and she's all excited and, you know, she's doing lunges and she's bending up and down and she's like, you know, smacking her thighs. And she's like, these fit like a glove. These are fantastic. And I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> and then, um, so I just gave her back her, her other pants. And then at that time she had asked me, you know, did you bring your sewing machine? Because I have a couple tank tops I would like you to alter for me for the rest of this tour. And I said, yeah, most definitely. So I remember going around the corner to this one kind of, it was a weird uh, lofty type area. There was nothing in there. It was pretty industrial looking. And I kind of set up shop while she was off doing an interview before the show had started. So I just thought, well, I'll just, you know, sit here and sew some shirts up for Angela Costco. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then she was very gracious to give me a backstage pass, which I just was, you know, so grateful and just so overwhelmed that, you know, I get to meet a fellow, you know, woman in metal that loves metal, but she's just to me at that point in my life in 2008. <laughs> Gosh, how old was I? 27 years old. A 27-year-old Rebecca just being like mind boggled, you know, just kind of in awe that this woman just so embraced me and just let me do what I wanted to do and create these, you know, this wonderful pair of pants for her. And then our relationship just kind of blossomed from there. And we continued, you know, just talking through emails and um and then I just continued to say like would you like more set like on stage wear would you like more photo wear so on and so forth and then we continued that relationship and I made more pants for her and then <clears throat> I remember when um I found out at that point no I didn't know sorry I got an email from Angela saying that Carcass was getting back together and that they were going on tour and she said that she was putting my name on the guest list. And I just thought, what? <laughs> just so dumbfounded thinking like, I'm just, you know, making this woman some clothing. And she's like, oh, here's this, you know, guest pass for carcass. And I thought, holy cow, <laughs> this is great pro, pro bono work. If I can just get into free concerts all the time. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Now, what are some right. what are some of the other bands that you've done this for? Is this uh, well, 
well, and then also like to continue on with uh, oh. AE was um, for their last album that she was with them for Chaos Legions. She had asked me to de- design all the shirts for the band. So I actually designed all and I made all the shirts for the band um, for that album. So oh, whenever that's you cool. see, yeah, so all the promotions for that album is they're my shirts that I made for them and the pants that she's wearing. So That's awesome. everything I made for her, <laughs> but moving forward, um, yeah. So I've done clothing for a band uh, called Sai from Japan. That um, I met them back in 2009 at the Maryland Death Fest. Uh, I talked to Mika, and we were just chit chatting. She found out that I did some stuff for Angela, and she also looked up to Angela as a vocalist as well, and as a as a female counterpart. And so we started talking that way. I made her uh, a really cool two piece uh, for one of their albums, and then later on that year, I had met up with her and uh, as well as Mirai and I did uh, some clothing like a bunch of clothing for both her and Mirai and it was part of their promotions and at this time I can't remember the name of the album but I remember that it was New Year's Eve 2010 (laughs) and I got to hang out with them and bring Mika out and we celebrated New Year's together which I thought was so cool that you know just so down to earth and you just want to hang out and have fun with people while you get to design cool clothes for them (laughs) and then go for and do their photo shoot for them as well and help them out with music videos and yeah it's just been a whirlwind and there's another band called v28 from norway they're no longer together but i've done uh some outfits for them i've done outfits and for a bunch of music videos. I've been in music videos, like today's the day. Um, gosh, I can't, there's been a slew of them. <laughs> I don't want to keep going. <laughs> That's okay. That's awesome though. And I actually showed, I was at you, that was the May 16th, 2008 show that you would have been there. Cause I showed you, cause Angela used to sell some stuff on eBay whether it was clothes that she wore on stage, maybe, or just posters that she autographed or whatever. So I showed you a picture I have on my wall of her in Toronto. And you said, those are the pants I made. And that's the shirt I altered. And I didn't tell you yeah. this before, but I actually got had that shirt too. But I gave it away to a friend for a present. <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know, that's how small this world is. I just, it's great. <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> Because, yeah, because she had a special shirt that said, I don't remember what it said on it, but it had a Canadian flag on it and stuff. So that was cool. And, and that you altered it. I wish I had the shirt now, but I don't. I have another one of her <laughs> shirts that she wore on a magazine cover or something like that in Germany. So I have that shirt, but she's not very big, at least from the shirt that I have. It's, she's not very big. <laughs> it's really no. small. Shirt. <laughs> no, her, I'd be like, what I remember the first time meeting her, I just thought she's just the tiniest thing, but she has the biggest voice like the huge voice and she just commands that crowd and I just I remember the first time seeing her um live and again I was I was you know 23 at that time and that was for the Wage of Sins uh tour Mm -hmm. and I just remember standing proud looking up at Angela and thinking I really want to make clothes for this woman one day 
And then five years later, there I was contacting her through MySpace and making clothing for her. And I just thought, wow, <laughs> I did what I wanted to do. I did what I said, what I was going to do. <laughs> That's good. Now, was she the first one you did clothes for? Like that was as, as big as they were? Like, was that the first one you did clothes for? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So there, yes, that is. I thought that would be interesting to talk about, and it is. So now we're going to talk about Arch Enemy more, but now we're going to talk about music, not clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody that doesn't know, of course, Arch Enemy is a Swedish melodic death metal band formed in 1995. It was formed by guitarist Michael Amat and uh, singer Johan Leva, who did the first three albums and then wages of sin which we're going to talk about is the fourth and or the fourth arch enemy album but angela's first album uh they have released 12 studio sorry 11 studio albums and of course the current singer angela uh did oh i wrote that down somewhere i'll get to that later but anyway uh Alyssa White Gloose is now the singer and she's been on the last three studio albums and she is from Canada actually and Angela is still the manager of Arch Enemy and she also manages a few other bands too. Let's see the lineup for this album was Angela on vocals, Michael Amat on guitars and his brother Christopher Amat who's no longer in the band, Charlie D'Angelo formerly of Merciful Fate and drummer Daniel Erlinson. And now uh, replacing Christopher Amat is Jeff Loomis now, who previously was in Nevermore. So some people say they're like a all-star band, but I hate that term, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Wages of Sin, as I said, it was the fourth album, first one with Angela. Oh, here it is. Sorry. <laughs> she sang on five studio albums. And I would say she's probably the first well, one of the first, anyway, females to sing that style. Would you say she's the first, or do you think there was somebody before her? Uh, in in my eyes, for her range and her depth, definitely the first. I think she was influenced by Sabine Klassen of Holy Moses, who came before. But So I think she was a little harsh, but I don't think she was as brutal as Angela's vocals were, yes. And I do know that Lauren Hart of Once Human, I've talked to her about this, and she said this was the album that really inspired her to, you know, be a singer like that also. Nice. And like I said before, I didn't really listen to death metal before this, and really I still don't listen to that much death metal. I just, because our enemy is melodic, so there'll be some death metal people that'll say, oh, they're not death metal or whatever, but you know, they're melodic death metal, I guess. And I never, the first three albums with Joanne, I never even listened to those and I still haven't. Um, <laughs> now you, uh, I still listen to Arch Enemy now. The last album with Alyssa, of course, I didn't really like it so much because she started to add in some clean vocals and I don't really like that. Do you, what do you think of current Arch Enemy? Current Arch Enemy. So I, am not much a of a Alyssa fan due to again like her her vocal range is it's good it's just not my style um I myself I I am very picky when it comes to women vocalists um and Alyssa just doesn't do it for me um but you know say <laughs> la vie the band's still good the music's still good but I'm with you with the clean vocals. I'm not a fan of the clean vocals being on Arch Enemy. 
Um, it is nice. It is, you know, it might be good for a good mix up, but for me personally, I'm not a fan at all. Well, to me, it feels like, you know, they're trying to gain new fans, but I don't really think that's really going to help because I mean, if you don't like death metal vocals, adding in a few songs with clean vocals you're not really going to become a fan <laughs> maybe yeah. of those songs but you're not going to like all the other songs when she's doing the same thing but i know it's all about making money and stuff too but yes i do i just wish she would leave that out of it because i know she's working on a solo album and i'm sure there'll be clean singing on that and stuff so she can show people that she's not just one dimensional or whatever you want to call it but yes i would prefer I arch enemy to stay you know, brutal, I guess we, you would say with the vocals. Yeah. I savage. <laughs> That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the songs then. Let's see. And I have a few notes about uh, live songs. You might've heard if you listen to some of the podcast, this album is the album they've played the most songs live from when they've toured. I mean, and I'm going by setlist.fm website. So I'm only going by how accurate that website is. But anyway, the album starts off with Enemy Within. Now, do you want to talk about that song or you want me to talk first? Go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this, this one starts off with a piano intro. Then the drums kick in and then the melodic licks begin to happen. And if you... Like, if you didn't hear, like, we both heard Ravenous first, and then we bought the album or whatever. But if somebody just said, here, listen to this album, you'd start listening to the singer and probably not know it's a female, of course, until somebody said, no, that's a female. Because I'm sure I, I, when I first discovered this, I probably played it for my wife, who doesn't really listen to heavy metal. And I said, what do you think of this guy singing? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I said, well, it's not a guy. It's actually a girl. And she goes, that's a girl. And I know a lot of people say that when you've when you first heard it way back then that they couldn't believe it was a female singing. Uh, and there's always this whole, like the musicianship on this album and well, Arch Enemy continues. They're great guitar solos all the time. And the drummer is one of the best drummers, I think too, but cause I'm still an Arch Enemy fan, just not as much as I was. Cause I going back for this podcast, I went back to listen to all the albums again. Not that I don't listen to them, but just to listen to them again. And I just remind myself about how much I loved all the ones with Angela on it, pretty much. What do you think of the song, Enemy Within? It, it, it's a good story. <laughs> just kind of. No, that's how it was for me. Like when I actually got to sit down and listen to the whole album, um, I thought, wow, like, like this is a woman? <laughs> like, I was just so dumbfounded by it. And I just thought it was the best thing ever that a woman was, that this was a woman singing. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and like I say, it did, it opened the doors for a whole bunch of women to start singing like this, thinking, Hey, I can do that too. And I know she had uh, musical training or vocal training from Melissa Cross. And I know she's appeared on some DVDs of Melissa Cross. I'm not sure if she's still releasing DVDs in this day. But I know I'm pretty sure Melissa Cross still does teach singing lessons and stuff. So I know she thought highly of her when she was doing it. Yeah. yeah. 
And that song they have played 251 times live, which is, I guess, the fourth highest song on this album for playing it live. The second song is Burning Angel, which they also played like 253 times live. You want to talk about this? You want me to start every song off? You can start every song off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we got the melodic guitar parts at the start. And just the... It's so melodic, the guitar parts on this, that I find myself humming along to the guitars, which is weird to be humming along to guitar licks and stuff. And it was, it really kind of blew me away back then, because, again, like I said, I didn't listen to death metal. I didn't listen to melodic death metal. I was listening to thrash and traditional British wave heavy metal, that kind of stuff. And, of course, hair metal was around, progressive metal. So I was just blown away by the guitars, how they would make me like hum along to the guitars and stuff before of course when because angela's singing is not very melodic obviously (laughs) so that was just how it was so different you had the the melodic guitars and the music and then all of a sudden she would start her vocal attack and you're just blown away and like it's such a big mixture in there with the band Uh, and so uh, do you like burning angel I do like the the Burning Angel. I'm just like, I had to re-listen to the whole album again this week because it's been so long for me mm-hmm. listening to this. Um, but yeah, I, again, I was just kind of going over it again um, today. And I was just like, <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe that, that, that this album is, what, 21 years old? Yes. And it's still to this day, it has some really good standing on it. Um, like again, just like just listening to like the unleashing of a lot of those riffs, I still like I'm going, well, those are still so re- relevant to today and how people are using a lot of those tones in their own music. Um, I just yeah. <laughs> I just think everything is just fantastic. I don't know. I it's hard for me to really pick and pull apart any of the songs. I read something which I'm not a guitar. Well, I have a guitar, but I'm not a guitar <laughs> player. <laughs> like I can't read music, but it said that this is the first album where they use standard C tuning. So all you guitarists out there will know what that means. And I guess they still use that today. But I don't know. It's just a comment I read on here thinking well, that's weird that <laughs> usually it doesn't say stuff like that. But so whatever that means, that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, the third song is Heart of Darkness, which they've only played 85 times live. This one is a little slower than the first two tracks were. Yes. And, but I always love kind of I wrote this down a few times later. I always love the way Angela say, says the title of the song because it just seems to have that deeper growl when she says heart of darkness in it. <laughs> and again, I never thought I would sing along with someone singing guttural vocals, but it just makes you want to <laughs> it makes you want to sing along with her and do that. <laughs> and they slow down in the middle of the song, which lead, which is turns out to be an arch enemy kind of trademark or habit or whatever you want to call it because i know they still do that today where not every song but a lot of the songs will kind of slow down in the middle build up to their killer guitar solos and this it was another amazing amat solo but since they're brothers in this album i don't have to worry about which one it was i just know it was one of the amat brothers 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good enough to say, oh, I know that's Michael playing that one or that's Christopher, but it's a good yeah. solo anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Anything to add about that song? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> then, of course, we come to Ravenous. Now you can talk. Now I know you already talked about Ravenous a little, but you want to start talk about Ravenous again? Expand on the video, maybe. Um. So with Ravenous and and the video, uh, for me when I first saw it, it was just, you know, it was just like her talking about like, you know, drinking the blood from the chalice, and then you know you're one with God and 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 that, and just. You know, just that whole spiritual side of it. For me personally, I, I thought of it as like a nice little dig in into that that side of society and the church and like a big fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her 23-year-old Rebecca just, you know, just hating that, you know, like that whole religious side and just seeing like the evil behind it. That's how I felt that that song was for me. Um, and that's why that song is always going to be the biggest song for me off that album um, from growing up and just listening to it. Well, I know she was a uh, she was born to Christian parents. Yeah. And but I know that she's also an atheist. I read that somewhere that she's an atheist. Now, we haven't really talked much. I mean, you just mentioned the lyrics. We haven't really talked much about the lyrics because I didn't bother to get into that part of it. But I know I read some comments from other writers about the album and said how the lyrics are better than most death metal bands are and stuff. But I don't really dissect lyrics much anyway, myself. No, I, but just that song itself, I, for me, it yeah. really, it really hit for me. So that's why I, I just, I opened, like, I just had to read the lyrics and I thought, oh, well, that's why. <laughs> because it was a big fuck you to like Christians and the Catholicisms, like, and just, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I really enjoyed that part of it, just the rebelness of it. (laughs) Now this, this song is actually the one they've played the most live and I don't, have you seen them with Alyssa live? No, I haven't. Okay. No, I have. And, and I don't know if you heard the live album that they, from Vaken or whatever, but. I, I find that she does a pretty good job at Angela's songs. I know it's, she's not Angela, but I think she does an okay job with her songs. And of course, I've heard Alyssa sing Ravenous more than I have Angela since I think I saw Angela twice. And I've probably seen Alyssa with Arch Enemy, I think, four times, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> but uh, but anyway, but the song, yeah, so that's the most song played. And the second most song is Nemesis, which isn't on this album. It isn't on until... Doomsday Machine, I believe Nemesis is on, but that's a great song too. But I just wrote because Nemesis is the second song they've played the most live. Yeah. And uh, I guess I don't need to say anything else about the song. I don't. The videos, like I didn't watch any videos to plan for this, so I haven't watched their videos in a long time. But I know they did many, many videos. Well, they do many. They they do many videos with Alyssa, of course. Yes. Or whatever. <laughs> But I know they did the regular amount back then, two or three, but now they do like five or six. <laughs> Pretty much. 
Well, that's the thing. We didn't get into this. I might as well just talk about it now. The last album, they released like six songs before the album even came out, which really oh. bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> Way to spill that one. <laughs> surprise, not surprised. Well, see, I guess the thing is, see, I'm like I said, I'm older. So I when I grew up, a group would release maybe one song and then they would release the album two weeks later. That's how it worked in the old days. <laughs> like I remember Iron Maiden when I heard a song on a shortwave radio station of the state. So they played two minutes of midnight and then two weeks later, Power Slave album came out. <laughs> but now with Spotify and iTunes and they want, they want to get money from that. I know they don't get much money from those services, but they get a little bit of money. So they want people to listen to them to hell before the album comes out. Because like I said, it's about making money. And again, I understand it. You're trying to do what you can so that you can keep going and all that stuff. But yeah, but I don't like listening to singles. Even when a group comes out with a single, I don't want to listen to it. I want to listen to the whole album, but it was kind of hard when you had to wait for six songs. <laughs> Everybody's talking about the songs and I'm like, I want the album to come out. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, that bothers me, but that's just me. <clears throat> okay. Then we go to Savage Messiah. Do you want to start? You want me to start? You can always start. <laughs> <laughs> now, this song has only been played 16 times live. <clears throat> this has a little longer musical intro than the other songs do, and it's kind of a more of a mid-paced song until the riffs pick up. It's also the longest track on the album at over five minutes, and it's and they do the trademark slow down in the middle part again, like I mentioned earlier. And we get to hear a little bit more. We don't really get to hear the bass that much sometimes, I don't find, but we get to hear it on this since there's some slower parts. So we get to hear Charlie D'Angelo's bass playing. And he's a great bass player, but I think he's mostly really used in the background kind of with Arch Enemy just for the rhythm section along with the drums because the drums stand out a lot sometimes too more than, but I don't think he minds. He's just a great big guy standing there playing the bass for 20 or 30 years or however long he's been playing. <laughs> <laughs> and the song kind of ends like it started with the musical like uh sl slower kind of stuff do you like savage messiah or do you, I, you probably like kamal but um yeah like there was a few that you know really stuck out to me um like the um like the next one the the dead bury their um they're dead well you start uh, that one then <laughs> <laughs> again uh, it was more for like the the lyric side of it for me just talking about the music itself um you know reviewing it again this week I can't really go too too in depth of on the music so much as as the the lyrics like yes um again that was a time in my life that really helped me grow as as a person and it really helped me through a lot of you know trying to figure out who I was in in that life and this song really helped me with that as well so um it, yeah <laughs> again that one was more the lyrics for myself no uh this one they've played uh this is the second most the second highest song on this album that they've played live. So they play this one a lot too. Not as much as Ravenous, obviously. And we do get a little quick, little short, little solo at like the minute mark almost. And then we get like a 
at the two minute mark, we get like an extended soloing where they go back and forth for like a minute long. Yeah, with, I mean, the brothers is like a the like a battle boot with the brothers and the solos. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, oh, and again, and I uh, I love how Angela does says the dead bury their dead thing, and her just it just seems like she's emphasizing the title of the song when she's singing it because you know it's not hair metal they don't have their choruses that they sing over and over again so it's just like she just puts a deeper growl into her when she's saying the title of the song and i just love that yeah yeah and that yeah that there for me was yeah it's it's yeah really good i love the the sound of it and again angela just really just kicks it off really good now, for me, I guess I'll say it in this song. I mean, like I say, I love the music and <clears throat> and I love Angela's vocals. But I think if I didn't like, but I wasn't really used to those kinds of vocals. Now, if I if the music wasn't so good on it, too, I probably wouldn't have kept listening to it. But since the music was so good, I found myself, oh, I love this song. Or I love this solo or whatever. So then Angela's vocals grew on me more and then I could appreciate vocals like that because i never did appreciate it before this album because i just i probably never gave it a chance like i would i don't know who i would hear of course but if i had that cd sampler thing and there was a group singing like that if the music didn't hit me right away i'd probably be like okay what's the next song or whatever yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> then we got what web of lies is that right yeah that's right web of lies now they've only played this song live twice <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens where you only play a song twice. You need to think you don't play it at all, but they played it twice. Now this could be my least favorite song on the album, but it doesn't mean I don't like it. I still like it. It's just doesn't stand out as much as the other songs do. Yeah. Probably why they only played it twice live. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. And do you have anything to add on this song? Uh, nope. <laughs> okay. That's fine. <laughs> I I find that Angela singing is the reason I still like that song. Like I think outside of the music that just the way she sings like the web of lies, you can see it in my eyes or whatever. I think that just kind of keeps me to where I'm not going to press skip when I listen to it or whatever kids do. I know they don't listen to full albums anymore, but no. <laughs> I do anyway. Then we go to the first deadly sin. And this has been played 26 times live. <clears throat> the start of this song is a little this is maybe like the fastest song on the album actually i mean ravenous is fast too of course but this seems just a little more like a real not real i shouldn't say it like that, but like a more of a pure death metal song not as it's not as melodic i mean the solos probably are but the riffs and stuff it's it's not as melodic as the earlier song that's brutal and just feels like it's more beautiful <laughs> more brutal i'm not editing that out but anyway <laughs> and i just love her growls again on the type when she's singing the title of the song do you like the first deadly sin do you like the lyrics on this one yes that's actually um before um i actually started this interview with you when i was coming on it was the last song i was just listening to <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah this is good i was like yeah believe i forgot this album and how good this album was and then we have behind the smile which is uh now the now i'm talking about the lyrics but as i was listening to this this afternoon just preparing my last little notes <laughs> for this 
and I remember always liking the song and singing along with her with behind the smile I feel nothing and it kind of the song kind of relates to me actually I'm kind of a shy guy and stuff and there's a line about being a, alone in a crowd and I was actually just talking to somebody about stuff about concerts and things about how I feel especially if I go by myself I'll feel like I'm alone in the crowd because I'm not there with all my buddies and stuff at the concert <laughs> and so I find this song is kind of relates to me actually I think I wrote the song, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe maybe they saw you one time. But I, I Yeah, he's faking that smile out there. He doesn't really like us. <laughs> <laughs> and they played this song 21 times live. Okay, that's cool. I Any know. comments? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst for comments with that kind of stuff. <laughs> And then we have an instrumental, Snowbound, which must be about Canada, I guess. I'm not really sure. Or maybe it's about Sweden. Could be. <laughs> this, I, surprisingly, this song has been played 550, 553 times live. So if it's played a lot, it's one of the top songs on this. But I guess they always do a little instrumental on when they're doing before they launch into some other songs. So this is an instrumental. Uh, I guess it's like a little break in the action so you can stop headbanging for a little while. I don't know, not the headbang when you're at home, listen to it. I don't know, but do you have any comments on the instrumental? A bit of a bathroom break. <laughs> Are you saying you don't like instrumental? No, I do. Actually, I'm, I, I'm a, I love a good drum solo myself, so... <laughs> well, I like they, they did this for a few albums. I don't think they did it on the last album that they just released, I don't think. And that's probably because somebody says, we're not making any money with instrumentals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then we finish off with Shadows and Dust, still filled with great leads and, of course, another killer solo. And it's a great way to finish off the album. This has been played 23 times live. Do you have any comments on Shadows and Dust? <laughs> Sorry. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, do you, now, okay, so that's the album. Did you want you? Uh, they they had some. <clears throat> excuse me. They had some uh, like bonus tracks. I'm not sure. I guess I got the CD. It probably came with bonus tracks. Do you have any comments on bonus tracks that you might have had with this CD or album or whatever? Um, just you know, being a huge Iron Maiden fan, of course, I like the the Aces High cover. But yeah, other than that. <laughs> What do we got? We had, they did uh, Starbreaker, which is a Judas Priest cover. I don't even remember that song. <laughs> <laughs> so it must have been an old Judas Priest song. And yes, Ace is High. And then they did an Europe cover, and I can't say I listened to Europe. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think there was a few songs from just the, or from the Joanne Leva time where Maybe there were songs left over from that or something. There was a live one maybe in there. And then there's one called Diva Satanica. Now, I know the singer Diva Satanica because she was on my podcast as a guest once. <clears throat> and we talked about Behemoth, right? Nice. Right? No. Well, I think I got the wrong group. Sorry. <laughs> You'll have to go back. I forget. It's either Behemoth or somebody else. Do you know Behemoth? Are you a Behemoth fan? Yes, I am. Do they have an album called I Am Satanist? Uh, a song yeah okay well i think that i think that was it 
because we <laughs> talked about that song or that album or whatever. But anyway, that's probably where Diva got her name was, was from this. I'm assuming, I'm not really positive, but I'm assuming it is. <laughs> anyway, so that's the album. Um, do you have a rating for me? Did Can you, I mean, you're not maybe an album reviewer like most of the people that are on the website are, of course, but do you have a rating out of 10 that you would give it if you did that? Yeah, so 23-year-old Rebecca would give it a 10 out of 10, and a 44-year-old Rebecca would still give it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that's because I did that on one of my part. I, I used to do that on some of these episodes, say, what would you give it back then? And now what would you give it now? So for me, back then, I probably would have gave it a 10. Yes. Now I'd probably still give it at least a nine. I might okay. just take, I don't know. I yeah, I don't I, I don't know. But yes, it's still, it's still very like listening to it. I still love it. And and I mentioned some of the other, excuse me, albums with Angela on it, like uh, um, Anthems of a Rebellion. Sorry, that's the next one, right? Yes. Yes. Anthems of Rebellion. That has Dead I See No Future on it. Then they did have a Dead I See No Future EP. And then there's Doomsday Machine and Rise of the Tyrant and chaos legions but i think they're all pretty good i'm not sure if there's even one that i dislike of the angela ones i do like this one probably i like this one a lot and also doomsday machine i like that one a lot those are probably my two favorites but do you have it is would this be your favorite angela album or just because it's the first so with that you noticed yeah i like the uh anthems of rebellion uh well as uh, Doomsday Machine and, of course, Chaos Legions. And Alyssa just, or not Alyssa, sorry. <laughs> their, their names both start with an A. Angela, she also did a few, she also guested on some albums. She guested on Annihilator song in 2007 and a couple, or on Adoro. That's probably a live album. I'm not really positive about that. And I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. Amaranthi, Amaranthi. I think she also uh, manages that band, and that's one that she also guested on a song. Yeah. So, in Obscura as well. Yeah, I don't. It didn't list everything. It had some group called Astarte, unless that's the group you just said. I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the old, like you were mentioning, a uh, like. MySpace. I was also friends with Angela on MySpace because even though my, this current website is coming up to three years old, I've had a website in some shape or form for like twenty or thirty years. <laughs> and I did, and I did interview Angela like through email. She had did two interviews with the site. One I had one of my other writers. She was only sixteen. She might have been fifteen actually at the time, but I let her interview her first, and she really loved that opportunity to do it. And then I interviewed her and I forgot I was going to say this earlier, <laughs> but I remember one of my questions was, do you ever go to a restaurant and they screw up your order and then you give them some death metal growls to say how displeased you are? <laughs> <laughs> and she thought that was kind of funny, I think, because I remember her posting my interview on, on their website and I said, here's a funny interview I did with a Canadian website. I'm thinking, I didn't think it was that funny. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so yeah so i've been a fan ever since then and promoting them and still am 
And maybe Angela will listen to this. <laughs> Since I'll we've been, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but hopefully Alyssa doesn't. Yes. <laughs> sure. But I still like I still like Alyssa. I just don't. You know, there's just some things. But okay, so now we're gonna do our top ten albums of 2002. Do you have them? Are you ready? Do you have them? Yes, I okay, have. Well, them. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go first because mine's not as. I assume that yours is gonna be more interesting than mine. Because <laughs> as I was looking back to the year 2002, because usually when I do these lists, I'll have 15 or 20 albums and I'm like, geez, I got to narrow this down to 10. And then I was doing this one, I had like five and I thought, shit, I need five more. <laughs> <laughs> I know I listened to more albums, but none of them really, a lot of them didn't stand out to me. The top <laughs> two stand out to me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm just going to go off on what I got here and I'll say a little about. Them. So number 10, I got Blind Guardian with A Night at the Opera. That was their seventh studio album. But yeah, I don't remember when I last listened to that one. Number nine, number nine I got Rob Halford's second solo album, Crucible. <clears throat> number eight, I got Manowar with Warriors of the World United. That was their ninth studio album. Now, I don't really know if I really like this album too much, but I did like older Manowar. So I think that's why I included them because <laughs> I like the older albums more. But I thought, well, I need something in here. Number seven, I got King Diamond with Abigail 2. The Revenge, his 10th studio album. Again, I also like the older King Diamond better and Merciful Fate even better than that. Number six, I have Black Label Society with 1919 Eternal. That was the third studio album. And then probably going with the five that I actually did listen to more. <laughs> Number five, I got Dio with Killing the Dragon, his ninth studio album. Again, it's not going to be one of Dio's best, but... It's one that I listened to in 2002. <laughs> Number four, I have System of a Down, Steal This Album. Now, I'm not sure. Are they even heavy metal? I think they're kind of heavy metal. Kind of, yeah. But the thing is, I never listened to this in 2002. I probably didn't listen to this album until like 10 years ago. It's <laughs> oh, when somebody played System of a Down for me, and I thought, oh, this is not bad. So back then, I didn't listen to that stuff at all because it was probably considered new metal and stuff, and I didn't want any part of it. But now that I've listened to it a few years ago, I like it. So steal this album. Did I say that? Their third studio album is under. Number three I got, this might be kind of surprising for some people, but I have Nashville Pussy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're <laughs> fun. <laughs> with Say Something Nasty. It was their fourth album. And it was whatever redneck metal. I don't know what you want to call it, but but it has yeah. like it's got to be the longest song title ever with their song. I'm going to hitchhike down to Cincinnati to, to kick the shit out of your drunk daddy. Like, how can you not like that? Right. <laughs> and they do a great cover of Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo by Rick Derringer. And they, of course, have a love song in it called The Bitch Just Kicked Me Out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i did like that album and i still listen to it once in a while so number two i have dream theater six degrees of inner turbulence because i was really in the dream theater back then. i didn't write down what album this was it was probably their fifth or sixth studio album i believe but i was really into it's funny i was really into progressive metal with dream theater 
and then with the melodic death metal with Arch Enemy. But anyway, I really like. I think I've probably seen two tours that year. One would be Dream Theater. <laughs> oh wow! And one would be Arch Enemy, and then my number one album, of course, is Wages of Sin, Arch Enemy. Okay, so now I bet you will have some more extreme metal bands on your list, because as I was looking through the bands, I thought, oh, Rebecca might have that, she might have that, she might have that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see what you got for your top 10. Okay, so for number 10 coming in is Amata Mars versus The World. Um, Hmm. Yeah, again, that was a really good album. Bathory, Nordland. We also have, uh, I'm not not a writer, so I don't get into all the details of all these songs. That's and the, fine. Uh, Lacuna Coil, the, the Coma Lies, mm-hmm. uh, Electric Wizard, Let Us Pray, Decapitated, Nihility, the album Nihility, uh, Behemoth, Here <laughs> 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 on. Which is quite funny because when those, when Behemoth and Amana Mars, when those two albums came out that year, the following year, I actually saw them live um, in Toronto at the, um, gosh, what, what was that? The Opera House. And I just remembered no one there. No one was there at all. And I thought, wow, how are people missing this show? Like these two bands are fantastic. And so, yeah, I got to see Amon Amarth and Behemoth with hardly anybody there, but they put on a fantastic show. Hmm. Um, and then coming in at number four, I have Immortal, the Sons of Northern Darkness. <laughs> Love me a good above, little crab walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and number three, Agaloc, The Mantle, which still to this day, I still listen to this album all the time. Um, it just... It's nice and melodic. Um, again, the, the the vocals on this, his vocals, I just find just so hypnotic and beautiful. And Niall coming in at number two uh, in their in their darkened shrine, shrines. Um, <clears throat> always been a Niall fan. Um, again, um, can never do any wrong. And then, of course, coming in at number one, Arch Enemy, Wages of Sin. <laughs> Yeah, I knew it. I think we matched one album. Yay! High five! <laughs> but I kind of just from talking to you that one day, and you mentioning some bands and stuff, and and just looking through the list, I thought, oh, she's probably going to say Bathory, she's probably going to say Immortal, <laughs> or whatever. And there's a few other ones you threw in there that I wasn't, I didn't really know. But anyway, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. We have a wide variety of things in our. 2002 if i have any of these albums still i know i still have some of them but <laughs> oh i, <laughs> I forgot know. to mention i was gonna ask, i forgot to ask about this so i'll go back just to briefly okay seeing arch enemy live how many times i know we kind of mentioned it a little bit so you've seen them at least twice because you mentioned it is that the only did you see them more often with angela uh no it was just the the twice that i saw them and both times was to to bring her some clothing <laughs> uh actually no i'm gonna go back i'm gonna say three times yeah because the first time you you said you're gonna bring them clothing the next time (laughs) yeah so yeah three times i saw them wow (laughs) and well for me i think i saw it like i said i think i saw them twice with angela 
I'm, I'm, oh, I forgot. I didn't write that down. The first time, yeah, I didn't go back. I forgot to write that down. But the first time I seen Arch Enemy, I mentioned this to you, not on the podcast, but was the same, like a few days after Dimebag Darrow got shot. So whatever year that was, that's when I first saw them. I don't think that was The Wages of Sin. That was probably the next one. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, the next one, Anthems of Rebellion, I guess it was. It was probably that tour. And Cradle of Felt was with them and two other bands that I don't remember. And then I think I have seen them four times with Alyssa. I saw them actually two times in three nights because <laughs> I saw them in Toronto. And then me and my family went to Montreal and we saw them in Montreal too. because I thought it'd be cool to see her play in front of her hometown crowd or whatever. And then I seen them in Spain and went to Spain to a music festival. So they were in Spain. And then the last concert I've seen was Arch Enemy and Amon Amarth actually back. Not last year, but probably before, not last year. It's been four years since I've been to a concert, actually, (laughs) because mostly because of COVID. But anyway, do you have anything to add to this? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to add anything. Right. I'm not a speaker. I'm more of a designer. I'm more of a, you know, the behind the scenes kind of gal and just, you know, (laughs) <laughs> instead of you know ripping off some like lyrics or some riffs i you know do clothing and i breathe fire <laughs> <laughs> and there's and yes and that's hot like i said before give me that drum thing again okay anyway so thank you for joining me this was fun and i thought it was very interesting to hear about the fire and then to hear about the clothing and then to hear all your scary albums in your top 10 list (laughs) i'm just kidding they're not scary but (laughs) okay so thanks everybody for listening make sure you tune in next week when we will be doing hopefully motorheads overkill album sorry i almost forgot which album we were doing but so the next one will be motorhead overkill so get ready for that one thanks everybody for listening goodbye (laughs) 